0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and uh, welcome back to part two of our talk on cardiac CT. In this part, I'm going to start looking at some of the numbers and focus on calcium scoring and its use in clinical practice today. Let's look at some of the facts. Coronary artery disease, 1 million acute events in the U.S. each year, more than half a million people will die each year from coronary artery disease, and over 12 million Americans have a history of symptomatic coronary disease. One of the issues, of course, of the severity of cardiac disease is that half of patients present with sudden death or an acute MI. Current therapy, statin therapy, is preventive to a great degree. Its success is variable and patient selection is also variable. There's also concern with potential side effects. There's also concern about taking this medication for 10, 20, or 30 years. So you'd like to be able to select the correct patients. When you look at coronary artery disease, we know there are known risk factors, and I heard author Agustin, who has many areas of fame, he's a preventive cardiologist, and Agustin Scoring is named after him, and he's the guru of the South Beach diet, but he makes the point that there are known risk factors, hypercholesterolemia, hypertension, diabetes, smoking, but there are many unknown risk factors, genetics, for example. So. What you're doing when you try to modify someone's behavior can be very important, but it may not be enough. When you're trying to figure out a way of selecting what patients should go and get more rigorous treatment or therapy, what you're trying to figure out is a way of assessing risk. What is a patient's risk factors? Now, if you look at the classic Framington results, they were very good, but there's limitations to them, and one of the biggest limitations is a third of patients who develop an acute MI have none of these classic risk factors. So the question is, can CT be a risk stratification study? What does calcium scoring really mean? Well, what you're doing is you're saying that the presence of calcium is a marker for atherosclerotic disease, and in that sense, it's very sensitive. We mentioned that a third of patients who develop an acute MI have no traditional risk factors, but calcium scoring may be very valuable, especially in this difficult group of patients, and a number of articles have shown that calcium scoring is a better marker than traditional risk factors. Well, what's the score? Well, the ideal score, of course, is zero, no detectable calcification, and a negative score has a high negative predictive value for the presence of disease. In the ER setting, a negative score can typically rule out significant coronary artery disease in a patient with atypical chest pain. Now when you use calcium scoring, there have been a number of good articles. Here's one from Hopkins I participated in. This is the Dr. Becker and Becker sibling study and what they showed, particularly in women, that just using the classic Framingham risk estimation criteria is important but particularly for women, a one-third of patients may be misstaged, and a third of patients had significant subclinical atherosclerosis based on classic criteria, but with calcium scoring actually needed more aggressive management. So indeed it is very important, that there are a number of articles like this. Calcium scoring is simple, it's a low-dose CT scan, you're looking for the presence of calcification. Again, you could do this at 16 slice or at 64 slice. The least calcification possible gives you a score of zero. We've seen scores well over a thousand or two thousand. Typically, under 100 is considered mild. 100 to 300 moderate. Over 300 extensive. But again, there's age-related criteria as well. So it's an easy study to do. Now. One thing to be careful about, when I mentioned the zero score being very important, the errors potentially are with very low scores. So, for example, it's easy to miss a very minimal amount of calcification. And again, in order to make certain you would have a zero score, there have been several articles that do make the point that different reconstructed intervals have to be evaluated. Now, This article was just published, it was on a four-slide scanner, and force slice has much more motion artifacts, which can hide minimal calcification. But it's a good point that if you really want to have a true zero score, you better make sure the data is indeed perfect. And you can see, for example, uh, in this article, how they did the reconstructions at 50 through 80% intervals. So it is really a very good way of doing things. Now, in mentioning technology, Initially, most calcium scoring was done by EBCT, or electron beam CT. Remember, that had poor spatial resolution, but high temporal resolution, 100 milliseconds. And all the data was done on that system. And you remember when we started doing spiral CT, particularly at four slice, everyone said the data couldn't be compared, that the charts for EBCT could not be used for spiral CT. But at 16, and surely at 64, it's been shown that the measurements are uh, the same calcium volumes and interpolated volume scores are more reproducible than Agatston scores, but basically they are the same on all systems. Now in terms of recommendations, what should you do for patients? This is something that is great uh, of great interest, obviously, and a great debate. Uh, initially, uh, the question was, should you get a calcium score in all patients? Should it be part of preventive cardiology? The American College of Cardiology American Heart Association, this is going back six years, the last time they updated the document, made some strong points that a negative CT made the presence of plaque, including unstable plaque, unlikely, a negative test was highly unlikely in the presence of significant luminal obstructive disease, negative tests occur in the majority of patients with normal angios, and maybe most important that a negative test was consistent with a low risk of an event over the next two to five years. On the flip side, positive studies confirm the presence of plaque, the greater the amount of calcium, the greater the likelihood of occlusive disease, though we know it's not a one-to-one relationship and it may not even be a site-specific relationship. The total amount of calcium correlates with the total amount of plaque present, although true plaque burden is typically underestimated and important that a high score is associated with a moderate to high risk over the next two to five years. So just look at those two statements negative tests low risk high score high risk so you can see just in those statements one would suggest it's an outstanding study we've been doing it for many years particularly on um, patients referred to us from cardiology from the uh, health centers at hopkins the issue of course has been its out-of-pocket payment we now understand that several blue cross particularly in california are beginning to pay so I believe you will see this become much more standard as part of a routine evaluation of risk stratification in patients. When you look at some of the other articles in terms of reproducibility, under 5% variation between users or different systems, so it's pretty much um, pretty robust. People have looked at whether you can follow progression of disease, again that's a good question. Um, Not many studies have looked at that. Again, um, can you see regression if patients are put on therapy? It's something some studies have looked at, but it's not uh, widely considered to be a uh, use at the current time. Now, typically, there are a number of different ways to get scores. Most people use the Agassiz scoring system. Again, it works well because everyone understands it. You can get volume scores or interpolated volume scores, but most people still are sticking with the Agustin scoring system because, again, uh, the understanding is particularly there. I mentioned before about risk stratification. There have been a number of articles. The accuracy of CT for calcium quantification is sufficient in most cases for stratification of risk. Is a very good article. A good summary article by Matt Budoff. By identifying high-risk patients, calcium scoring helps select those who benefit most from additional testing and intensification of medical therapy. Coronary artery uh, calcification scoring can have an important impact on early detection of, and management of coronary artery disease. And They commented that the current data showed that elevated scores were predictive of future events, independent and incrementally to traditional risk factors with an approximate predictive power of tenfold for scores more than 100 based on current studies. So you can see it's indeed very important. But of course, it's only calcium scoring. And we understand there is not a one-to-one relationship, and we understand that some patients actually will have significant stenosis yet not have calcification of note. Maybe they score is zero, maybe it's a very low score. So again, calcification scoring, calcium scoring is important. It's an easy study to do. It's low dose. It's non-invasive, but it does have limitations. And that's really where you need to go, of course, to a more invasive, more definitive study. And again, people have made the comment that the absence of calcium does not reliably exclude coronary disease That's true, but I think most people feel that it does have a high enough sensitivity and high enough specificity that it can be used in routine uh, practice. Now, I mentioned a moment ago we need to do something that gives us more detail, and of course, that's angiography. Classically, it's been coronary catheter angiography. Two million studies done each year in the United States. Only about a third of these result in an interventional procedure, whether it's stent or dilatation, About two-thirds of cases were diagnostic. Again, this might be a very interesting opportunity for cardiac CT because coronary cardiac CT has the advantages of being non-invasive. It can rule out stenosis with a high degree of accuracy. It can look at bypass grafts or stents. It gives you the entire picture of the cardiac anatomy. And it can be done in literally a few seconds with peripheral injection. Of course, you can argue disadvantages, uh, and we'll talk about them in a moment, but one of the advantages, of course, we commented on about calcium scoring is that with cardiac CTA, we always do calcium scoring first, so we'll have a calcium burden. You can't really see that if you're doing a classic catheterization. Disadvantages, again, certain patients, we're not going to be able to do the studies, patients with arrhythmias, high heart rates, for example patients who can't hold their breath, but again this group of patients is decreasing in number because scanners are getting faster and in fact the heart rate is probably not going to matter in the future. In terms of catheterization we understand that it is the gold standard and of course it will always have the advantage of being able to do a procedure like a dilatation or a stent placement at the same time, and it gets very much like the arguments of virtual colonoscopy and classic colonoscopy. We're probably not in our lifetime going to do virtual biopsies. We're waiting for Star Trek radiology. But in the short term, there are certain advantages about virtual colonoscopy, but it's not perfect. With catheter angiography, of course, the issues, you don't see the vessel wall, So you're only looking at the lumen. You could truly understate the presence of disease because unless there's narrowing present, you're not going to define disease. The usual complications, hematomas, pseudoaneurysms, AV fistula. You're doing a cath on an older patient. The possibility of releasing a small plaque and causing a stroke is a real possibility. And again, the possibility of a myocardial infarction following stent placement. So again... Uh, these are all risks cardiac catheterization is not going away Uh, the argument that ct will wipe it out or reduce it by two-thirds is not going to happen i think you'll see a change in the population there'll be less diagnostic normal studies and more studies done for intervention so simply change the process if we're going to do cardiac ct let's take a closer look well i spoke before about scanners You need to be at 64. I'm not going to be politically correct. 64 or forget about it. You need a workstation. And not only do you need the workstation, but you need to know how to use it. It needs to have the latest and greatest software. Software that is very specific for coronary imaging. And you need to make a time commitment. Whether it's the radiologist or technologist, nursing. Everybody has to work together. If you don't work together, this process is not going to work. In terms of how we do the studies, what is our process analysis, how do we involve nursing and technologists and radiologists together, well, for that, you'll have to come back next week. I'll wish you all a nice day and speak to you later.